it's honestly it's been a dream come true um you know everyone uh, everyone here has adopted me as their own and I'm, i couldn't be prouder to be irish so it's the craig rugby podcast it's the six nations round one edition my name's alan deegan and on the call today i've got william davis wow william what a way for mac hansen to start we just heard him talking about being proud to be irish what can you say <laughs> other than wow uh, we were listening to it coming back from Belfast. Um, we were switching between uh, RTE and BBC commentary just to get different views. But the first play of the game of any meaningful uh, intent, and uh, there he goes. He's gone. Mark Hansen gets his hand on the ball. Hansen's introduction to international rugby is a beauty. He goes after it. Which way will it bounce back over everyone? Introduce yourself. Well, there you go. He's gone down the field. He's put consternation into the Welsh defence. He's got Ireland on the front foot. And a bit later, there's more happening. Still low there for Ireland. Jonathan Sexer on the wrap around. Here's Mac Hansen pass outside. Bundy What a pass. What a pass. And who's on the end of it? Bundy. Uh, the man who I said the night before in casual conversation never scores a try. So he, he, well, scored he, he hadn't scored since 2019 for Ireland. So, you know, he, he wasn't too bad. Three years. So Three years. But there you go. Uh, Ireland were immense yesterday. They took Wales apart. Uh, they beat them up. Uh, physically, they dominated them. Wales looked shell-shocked throughout the entire game, completely off their kilter. They couldn't compete at the breakdown. They just couldn't get into the game. The only slight issue I have with Ireland is they didn't score enough points. That was a 40-point game for Ireland. You've got to be ruthless at this level. They didn't score in the last 20 minutes. They gave Wales in for a silly try at the end. Just watch France play not particularly well against Italy, but two tries in the last seven or eight minutes, and they're now slightly ahead of Ireland on points. And that probably doesn't make a huge difference, but it points difference, I should say. They're the same number of points. They've both got five. But the, the issue is, when you're on top like that, get it done. And they did. 29-0. Wales weren't coming back from that, but that could have been 40-0. And that's the ruthlessness you have to show at um to win things, but Ireland were, were really good yesterday. They, they've gone on from where they were in November internationals. Uh, they're clever. They've got their skill set running really well. And to see a player like Mark Hansen come in, fit in seamlessly, as if he was there playing his 15th game, he looked like he enjoyed it. He was comfortable in that environment. And... Well, actually, talking talking about him being comfortable in that environment, let's hear what Johnny Sexton had to say about him in the post match press conference. Yeah, really, really impressed. He's he's a he's a good guy, um, which is the most important thing. Uh, he's bedded in really well into the group, um, and he's his performance speaks for itself. You know, you sometimes guys like himself, I compared him to Lowy a bit in terms of the fact that. Guys that are so elusive and, and good at breaking tackles, they, they sometimes don't shine in training too often because that, their strengths, you know, we're often not doing full contact. And you saw how many tackles he broke uh, this evening. Um, so he, he's going to shine in those games. And, and we'd seen him for Connacht and, and he brought that into the international arena. And, and he's got a game that's that's made for international rugby. So hopefully he continues to, to grow with us. And um, yeah, it's a great start for him. 
he can play out half Mac. Uh, he can play 15. He can he could probably play anywhere. He says himself he just goes wherever <laughs> wherever he wherever he's asked. That, <laughs> that's what I asked. I asked what his favorite position was. He goes, oh, wherever you need me. So he's uh, yeah, he he can play 10. So he's got that ball playing ability. Um, he's a lot faster than some of the tens in the squad, uh, but he's um, most of them. <laughs> he, he's down as an out half on all the meters and high speeds and stuff, so it's a bit of a pain in the arse <laughs> for me. Uh, but he's uh, no, he's he's good to have, and um, you know it's it's brilliant to have him. And actually, before we get more onto to Mac and we'll chat about him, Shane Horgan, you know, former Irish winger, won an awful lot with Leinster in Ireland, and the winger knows should know stuff about other wingers. He was pretty effusive about him as well. You know, he got the ball in the in the first you know, minute, in a, and this is exactly what you want, a bit of luck there. He took the ball well, but it kept on fighting. Um, not a brilliant kick ahead, but, you know, he's into it now, and he's excited, and he wants more touches. And that was the feature of his game. He he had so, uh, so many times he got on the ball. Here he's working really well across the field. That's a big tackle. He's injured himself there. He's given himself a stinger, but he's gone. That's the big link play. That's what I'm most, most excited about. He got more ball than you know, wingers for Ireland have got in years um, on the open side, but he put himself in a position to get more ball on the, um, on the when he came from the short side. And that, by the way, was a brilliant try. Have the kudos to Bundiaki as well, who has upped his skill set no end. Yeah, you weren't years. sure. sure uh, honestly, and I've well. you know been sort of heavily critical of yeah. his his passing. Um, you know when he first came into yeah. the um, squad, he has got better time after time, and the pass that he gave there for Ringrose was absolutely beautiful. And of course, Bundiaki. We know we're all talking about Hansen, and it's all over the papers about. Mac Hansen, but wow, wasn't Bundyaki good yesterday too? Yes, phenomenal. Uh, he's rediscovered his mojo, I think. I think the Lions tour has brought him to a different level. It's a different level of understanding of what his role is as a player and a leader on the pitch. Um, and he brought an intensity yesterday and an accuracy to what he was at. He was in the right place every time. And I'm also, will say, there's three, there's two centres play and there's three guys chasing those two spaces and that's what you want because Robbie Henshaw missed out. Would he have got in ahead of Bundyaki? We don't know. But when you get your chance, if you've been put in that position, you got to seize it. you got to run with it. And he did. Um, so It would be very hard to see him getting dropped for next week game. And in all honesty, coming against France, who, as you say, got a great win and showed what you do when you need to score an extra try in the last minute of the game against a, a tired opposition. Um, but the physicality they had today against Italy was was immense. And, and to be honest, I'd like to see Bundy and um, Henshaw next week as the centre partnership. Nothing against Gary Ringrose, but I think there's a physicality that you need in France when you're playing over there that, that he brings. And of course, we're not forgetting about James Hume who came on and, and did well because he's, he's, he's adding a little bit more to the, to the centre partnerships and what's needed in there, which is, of course, great because Ireland are playing some great rugby and they're, they're such fun to watch these days. Yeah, they are. And, uh, yeah, J- J- James Hume, Hume is there. Um, it's, it's a pivotal position against France, I feel, because you've got to be able to cut off that midfield ball. Uh, you've also, as Italy showed today, you've got to really kick well. They didn't. And you don't invite this team onto you. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to keep them back in their own final third of the pitch and give them no 
room midfield. Dupont today was in two and a half gear. He can up it. That's the problem with Italy. Maybe we'll I don't know. Maybe we'll discuss that now or discuss it again. But I'm afraid Italy. That's loss number thirty three. Uh, I I don't know how long this. I keep saying this. I don't know how long this can go on. I I, I think the sponsors will get involved at some stage here. I think it's inevitable. Um, but it's like the topic you can't talk about. But it's it's a serious problem because France today went out and they knew they were going to win, and they did win. Um, and they didn't have to play particularly well. They have a six-day turnaround, so that's a big advantage for Ireland. But they could change their team up. You can you can mess around with your team. I suppose in the, it, the difficult time to play at least your first game because you want to get your season up and running. Um, but Italy won't beat England next week in in uh, in, uh, in Rome, and they won't win here, and they won't beat Scotland. And by the time they get to Wales, which is in Cardiff on the last weekend, they won't beat Wales. They try hard. Well, looking at the way Wales played yesterday, <laughs> maybe, okay, maybe, but... maybe the Italians will decide, well, okay, let's just go through the motions of the other three and focus on that because that was as poor a Welsh display as I've seen in a long, long time. Now, admittedly, the other side of Ireland being great fun to watch. Their defence is phenomenal. The hit, the power that they hit practically every time they hit somebody. And if there's a line break, like in about 30 minutes, you can see there's a line break. Wales eventually make a line break. Three phases later, they're further back from when where from where they made the line break. It's it just the defense is is astonishing. Actually, I don't think next week will be that high scoring because I think the French work rate was incredible again today, and it'll be amazing to see any sort of major scores next week. Yeah, their defense is good, and that's one of the key issues next week. Is you have to take your chances when you get them because they won't come like they did against Wales. Um, you're going to have to be ruthless in that. I think they will be. I think it's going to be a really, really tough game to call. And I think both sides realise whoever wins this is in prime position for uh, a Grand Slam, Championship and Grand Slam, because you get the feeling that both sides had it in the back of their minds a little bit. Ireland maybe switched off in the last 20 minutes today and France were just doing enough to beat Italy. Uh, So it's... um, it's and, Scotland, and then and then Scotland come up with a, a huge win, but I'm wondering more is it a case that England lost it rather than Scotland won it? Well, I tipped Scotland to win and I thought they'd play better than they did, but they still won. Um, they very dogged, very determined, didn't maybe ask an awful lot at times of the English defence, but they seized their opportunities well. But I, I, I don't know what to make of England. I don't know what to make of Eddie Jones in the way he's becoming a bit like to change sports. Claudio Ranieri, the football manager, the tinker man, as they call him, because he can't resist fiddling around. Why he took Smith off at 10, who was playing out of his skin, I do not know. He doesn't seem to be injured. But there's constant fiddling at the edges with that side. Mm. And they never seem to establish... I th- I th- do you know what I think it is? I think he doesn't want any... He has it in his head that he doesn't want any player to think this position is mine. Mm. But at some stage in team sports, you have to have players who are... who know that if they get to the requisite level and they're not injured, they're going to get the start in those games. Yep. Uh, Ireland's full of them. Mm. Tyg Furlong, 
is, is one case in point, probably James Ryan. The back row is complicated, but I would say Josh van der Fleer is in that role. Johnny Sexton, um, uh, Hugo Keenan at fullback. And I don't think it's a weakness in a side to, for players to know that. You can still keep them at the right level. But with England, it's this constant players come in, players come out. Sam Simmons started his first game in, I know they have injuries, but he hasn't played as a starter in nearly four years, I think. And you're thinking, well, he should have started last year when he was playing really well. And now you've brought him in and he's not playing well. And it's, it's confusing. It's hard to fathom. I know he's a great coach. Uh, he's achieved a lot, but I just, I just wonder. And is, Scotland, is, is, is it a problem that they have too many things to choose from? There's too many players to choose from because they have so many more players than practically everybody else, um, apart from maybe the French. Um, but they, they, they have an enormous number of players. And then there's all sorts of other pressures that come on as to who should be picked and who shouldn't be picked. Um, and maybe that that's part of it. It's always something I, I've been worried about when I was involved in, in coaching and we had a, you know, we had a big, huge number of kids to pick from. And then you go play against clubs that only had a small number of kids to pick from. We were trying to rotate our players around and give them game time, whereas the other guys were getting full-on game time because they had less to pick from. So there's advantages to not having as many players to pick from or as many quality players to pick from because then as you say they know that they're there and they can just focus and get going and not worry about being dropped because um, they know they're in they're in position and as long as their standards are high enough and Ireland's standards are pretty high these days um, it leads to a lot of good quality games I think it does but I think when you're in professional coaching that's that's what you're being paid the big bucks for is to make mm-hmm. these decisions uh, and to get the collective right England do have more players to choose from than anybody else, but they're a side now that look as if they're slightly underperforming. There'll still be a massive challenge for Ireland at home. I think they're, you know, Twickenham, they're a different animal, but it was just interesting yesterday. There was something lacking in that performance, and it's hard. And the sniping is continuous now. I mean, the media's climbing in. Uh, a lot of penalties given away by England again. That's an issue they cannot get away from. Uh, silly penalties at times. Obviously, a penalty try for Scotland as well, uh, and 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 couldn't have been sillier. That, well, that, you know, that, that, that was he could have caught the ball. He got two hands on the ball and pushed it into touch. And he, why didn't you just catch it? Yep. And then Eddie Jones out today saying he doesn't blame him. And I'm thinking <laughs> you must be blaming him in in private. So maybe just don't bother telling us that you don't blame him. I I don't know. It's fascinating. It's all part of the mix of this tournament and. Um, it's up and running. It's been a fascinating weekend. It's a good, solid start. There's been three decent games. Nothing out, out, extraordinary. There hasn't been a, a you know one of those games that you left wow about. But look, we're very proud of what Mac Hansen's done. We're very proud of what Bundy's done. And I thought when he came off the bench, Finley Balam did as much as was required in a messy last 20 minutes. And they'll focus on that. They should have scored another two tries in that period. And that result, Ireland should have been away and gone up. Uh, having once watched Ireland beat Wales 54-10 at Lansdowne Road, uh, standing on the terrace, where I saw very little of it, actually, but it was a good day out. Uh, that's I was looking for that yesterday. I thought, yeah, go on, really, really nail them down. And it just about happened. Where Wales are, hard to know. Big game next week against Scotland. Can Scotland follow up? Scotland win in Wales. Can Wales galvanise themselves? So that's the first game next Saturday. Then we France-Ireland, which is pretty tasty. England-Italy on 
Sunday, uh, Italy, England, I should say on Sunday, maybe not, not quite as much, but big pressure on Scotland going as favourites to Cardiff. They are going to be favourites. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to talk themselves down, but they can't because Wales have the injury, injured players aren't going to come back overnight. But can Scotland handle that tag and can they put two performances together? They actually need to play a bit better, I think. Mm-hmm. It'll be a different type of game. Because I think Wales will just, if they get any ball, Wales are going to try to move it. Because there's no point, there's no point in trying to go through the phases because they haven't got the players to do it in the forward. So they'd be better off to get it shifted. Uh, but that puts them into a problem because Dan Bigger is not that type of out half. Uh, and he's the captain. And I thought he was atrocious yesterday. But he didn't have any ball to work with. So that's that's going to be a big old game for, for both sides. It certainly will. It certainly will. Okay, that's enough of the, the senior side. Now we can talk about the under-20s, where Ireland had a huge win against Wales, which again highlights the fact that Welsh rugby could be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> no team in the last 16 of Europe. The under-20s getting hammered 53-5, one of those tries being scored by Connacht from half Matthew Devine, which is a cracking little score. Um, and then you had England hammering Scotland 24-41 to England in Scotland. And of course, France smacking the Italians 41 15. Um, yeah, you're looking at Wales could be in an awful lot of trouble, but wow, from the under 20s again, Ireland under 20s year after year now appear to be producing result after result after the result. They won the last two. Well, actually, I'm not sure exactly how last year's finished. I know Ireland won the Triple Crown, but they won the Grand Slam the year before it. Um, and now they're off to a flyer this year. Yeah, it was a funny tournament last year because it was played in June. It was all played in Cardiff, uh, which encouraged Cardiff to do something about their horrible artificial pitch because it had to be reset for that game. Um, good performance uh, is all you can say. You beat who's in front of you. It is concerning for Wales. We could do a whole podcast on the problems in Welsh rugby. Uh, there are problems there. Now, the problem in Wales is when you ask that question, of 20 people, you will get 20 different answers as to what the problem is. Uh, and then if somebody comes up with a solution, you'll get 20 people giving you completely different solutions and none of them will agree with each other. But it's a good start for the under 20s. Uh, they love playing on that pitch down in Cork, the artificial surface. It really, the younger players love it. And all they can do now is follow up. France is going to be a different challenge for them. France are tend to do a little bit better at rugby under 20 World Cups. You know what they're going to be, but they can be a bit flaky. I suppose under-20 teams on on either side can be a bit flaky because they haven't got the experience. But it's a good, solid start. Young Matthew Devine's the only Connacht player involved. Uh, I mean, look what Connacht have done. They've brought up six players. They all played under-20 uh, last year, with the exception of Dara Murray, who actually was with the squad. They kept him there, but he was injured. He missed out on that tournament, which is a bit odd because it was just continuous rugby. Very unfortunate for him. If he was the normal Six Nations, he'd probably got a game. That's where your younger players come from. That's where they learn a higher level of rugby. Uh, Nigel Carlin, look, ex-Connacht now with Glasgow, heavily involved with that, with, with, with under-20s teams. They don't all make uh, international rugby players at the higher level. They don't even make uh, professional rugby players at the higher level. Not all of them. Maybe mm. some of them don't want to. But mm. it's, it's a very important grounding. And you look at those results and you see England and Ireland and France have done the business and the other three teams haven't. And it's, yeah, that, that, that result will not have been noted hugely in Wales, but people who are into their rugby in Wales will have noted it. Because that's the other issue. They're not producing players 
they're struggling to fill the four franchises, whatever you want to call them, are struggling to bring younger players in because they're just not coming through the system. Uh, and at some stage, somebody's going to have to get a get a hold on it and, and see what they can do. But Ireland off to a good start. Yeah, indeed. Okay, let's finish off by just mentioning the last bit of news is is um, Neve Briggs, who we've had on the podcast a couple of times, um, has been announced as assistant coach to the Irish women. Their Six Nations obviously not happening just yet, but that's a great announcement for the women. It's something that baffles me uh, a little in all women's sport, whether it's uh, ladies Gaelic football, Mogi, rugby, soccer. There isn't as many women coaches as you would expect. Um, it's it's generally men. So I think this is great. She's an international player, highly ranked international player. She's a good communicator. And I think it's vital that women come in to coach women because I think they have an understanding uh, and see things differently. But it's the fact that she's a player that everybody can say, well, she used to captain Ireland when they won a Grand Slam and that sort of stuff. But there's more to it than that as well because uh, Neve has a very sharp rugby brain, having interviewed her a couple of times and... I, I'm absolutely thrilled with that, and I wish her well. I think it's 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 a good starting point, considering the problems that all the women's team have had uh, over the year, uh, and the failure to qualify for the World Cup is still a massive problem. But get ready for the Six Nations. It's going to be tough. England, fully professional. France, pretty much professional. That's a big ask. But I think... I think, I think she's highly competent and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they go. We've discussed already moving it away. I don't know. Look, imagine if it was this weekend. People say, oh, the gate's lost. But it, it, was part, it would be part of the Six Nations weekend. It's just one of those things. I'll be interested to see how that, how that plays out over time. But uh, yeah, it's uh, week one is gone and week two is nearly upon us. It certainly is. Okay, let's finish off by finishing off the way we started with a bit of Mark Hansen. Here's what the coach, Andy Farrell, had to say about the risk that was supposedly taken. We knew it wasn't a risk, and by the sounds of it, neither did Andy Farrell. And what a debut for Mac Hansen. Not such a big gamble, it turned out. <laughs> you said it was a gamble, not me. <laughs> uh, listen, he's, he's comfortable, isn't he? He's, he's nice and calm, and he, uh, he trains like that, and he plays like that. He was always going to do that. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes Side 